Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey and it is great to be here with you this morning. The Activate Podcast is a preaching podcast that exists to help build people up and to bring biblical knowledge uh, into the lives of everyone. And we all need the Bible. We all need the Word of God. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be renovating the Activate podcast a little bit, branching out a little bit, and rebranding. So stick with us. If you want to see more about us, uh, check us out on soundcloud.com. You can also uh, subscribe via iTunes, and you'd get the podcast every week uh, subscribing that way. So uh, more on that to come. And we are amazed at the listeners uh, of this podcast that reach all the way from California to Tennessee to Maine to Brazil. And it's really neat to see all the people that are listening and and hearing uh, the Word of God preached. So uh, keep listening, keep joining in, and uh, expect great things to come. So let's go before the Lord in prayer, and then we will enter right in to the Word of God. Jesus, you're here with us even right now in this very moment Jesus, you are right by our side, each and every one of us. You are no respecter of persons. You don't hang out with one person more than the other. You love us all the same. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you're walking through this day with us. You're walking through these very hours and minutes of our lives with us. You walk through the big picture, but you're also present right here in our everyday. You're present in this moment. So, Jesus, I pray that we would acknowledge you, that we would see you in the day-to-day. God, I pray that you would illuminate the word to us today, that you would illuminate the Bible, that we would see and hear and know the things that you have for us. Seal it up in our hearts, God, so that we could live for you. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to start by asking you a question. How righteous are you? How righteous are you? If you were to put a number on a scale, one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, how righteous are you? How righteous are you? Think about that for just a minute. How righteous are you? If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter seven, verse 36 through 50. We're going to look at righteousness today. We're going to look at resetting our idea of how righteous we are in view of the Word of God. So if you take a look at Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says this, when one of the Pharisees, teachers of religious law, one of the pastors, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Of course Jesus would eat with the pastor. Of course Jesus would go to the righteous man's house. Of course. That just makes sense. That just goes with the flow of life, right? That Jesus would eat with a Pharisee. That's great, right? A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there. I want you to picture this, Jesus eating at the pastor's house and the most sinful woman in town. You can just begin to imagine her sins. If she is known as the most sinful woman in town, imagine her sins. Imagine that she is not very well liked. She hears that Jesus is at the pastor's house, the Pharisee's house. So she comes there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is that's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So he didn't say these things out loud. The pastor's thinking these things, but Jesus, being all-knowing, knows his thoughts and responds to him out loud. So he thought these thoughts. How is this even a prophet if he can't tell what a bad person this is that's touching his feet and weeping over him and pouring perfume on his feet? Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and to Simon, and he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When we enter this account, we see two people, one righteous and one not righteous. We see a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, a pastor. And our eyes look to him and we say righteous. And we see a sinful woman and our eyes look to her and we say unrighteous. But God had already met with this woman She had already been forgiven of her sins. Otherwise, she would not have the gumption to come in to the feet of Jesus. How does this apply to me? Well, when we look at our lives, there's a tendency to think that we are more like the pastor, like the Pharisee, than we are the sinful woman. When I present myself to God in church or in prayer, I tend to think of myself more as the righteous than the unrighteous. Isn't that true? Is that true of you? Do you consider yourself righteous or unrighteous? We are forgiven of our sins at salvation. We are forgiven day to day by Jesus when we confess our sins. But this little thing creeps in, and it's like yeast in a bread that makes it rise up really big. It's like that one thing, that that too much salt that spoils the dish, right? And it's this pride that thinks that we are something more than we are. I just want that to sink in for a minute. Have we let our pride well up till we think that we are more like the pastor than we are like the sinful woman? In this parable that Jesus talks about with a man who forgave two debts, Some of us may look to testimonies of other people. Well, they were forgiven a lot, so of course they love a lot. They were forgiven so much, so now their lives are radically changed. I want to talk about how much you were forgiven. 
I want to talk about how much you were forgiven. And I don't even have to know your name. I don't even have to know uh, where you live. But I know that you were forgiven much. And here's how I know it. I know it because God could have sent another destruction like the flood to the world. God could have sent a lightning bolt to the world. But God didn't send another destruction. His compassion is beyond human understanding. God didn't send another destruction. Instead, his compassion sent his very son to die in your place, to give his life as a ransom for ours. Somebody died for you. Somebody literally gave their life for you. Someone got up on a cross and was crucified for you. Lifeblood for lifeblood. You are rescued from eternal damnation because someone died in your place. And it's more than a Disney fairy tale. It's more than an idea. It is a biblical truth. It is a truth that stands for all time, that someone died in your place. You have been bought with a price of life. Life was given on your behalf. You have been forgiven much. At this point in the, in the account in Luke, Jesus hadn't died for this man's sins yet. But everyone listening to this, Jesus has died for your sins. You have been forgiven much. Whether you were raised in a Christian home and have always lived a seemingly wonderful life or you have been rescued from the pit of despair, Jesus died in your place. A huge sacrifice was made on your behalf. On your behalf. We have been forgiven much. A sacrifice so big has been made on our behalf. I want to look at a couple of ways that we begin to act like the Pharisee in this story. When we begin to feel that we are a little more righteous than a sinful woman. And we see these things. Uh, Jesus calls out this Pharisee and he says, you know, you didn't kiss me. You didn't put oil on my head. You didn't wash my feet. He points out those things. I want to point out some things to us in 2018. How we speak to other people. When you're in a group of people and you're having a conversation to, with someone, have you ever looked around the room hoping to end this conversation to get to somebody more important? Have you ever been talking to somebody and you just think this is a waste of my time? Of course, we've all, we've all been there. When we begin to think that we are more righteous than another child of God, another creation of God, then we become more like the Pharisee than the sinful woman. Some of the best leaders I've ever known are people who outrank me, so to speak, who are, I know they're in a, a, a higher place than me, and they take the time to talk to me, and they look at me, and they're actually interested in what I want to say. They're actually interested in, in my life and some way to communicate to me some of the things that they know. I want to be that to the next person. I realize who I am. I'm not better than 
any other person. I don't outrank anyone. I have to look at each person as special and important to God. In your church, there's no one more important than another. In your workplace, there's no one more important than another. In your family, there is no one more important than another. And when we begin to treat people based on how much we like them, in our own feelings, where we begin to treat people based on how much they can do for us, or we begin to treat people on how much work they can produce, then we creep over to the side of the Pharisee. We creep over to the side who forget who we are. We are sinners saved by grace, by mercy. It made an even playing field of unity among people when Jesus died for us all. Because no one could achieve greater than somebody else. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are all, A-L-L, all, every single one of us, sinners saved by grace. And so no one outranks each other. There's unity in the blood of Christ. There is unity in the blood of Christ. And that's why during communion in church, when you have the bread and the cup, it symbolizes unity among the brothers and sisters in Christ. It puts us all back to the beginning. It resets us all. We're all reset back to the beginning, knowing that everything we have, everything we have comes from Jesus. Anything I've learned has come from Jesus. Anything I've acquired has come from Jesus. Everything that I am, my identity is hidden in him. My righteousness is found in him. So back to the question at the beginning, there was no real right or wrong answer because you could say, how righteous am I? And you could say, I am a zero because I know who I am. I know what God has saved me from. I know that I haven't acquired anything, but I've acquired it all from Jesus. And you would be absolutely right. Or you could say, my righteousness is a level 10. And you could say that with assurance because you are hidden in Jesus Christ. But all of that righteousness comes from him and from him alone. It doesn't come from ourselves. We have to recognize the source. The source is Jesus. And it puts us all the same. It puts us all the same. I am the sinful woman. You are the sinful woman. May you never be the Pharisee in this story who thinks better than himself than he ought to think. What resets us is the word of God. What brings us back to point A, what brings us back to the starting point is Jesus, but it's through the word of God. We have to chew on the word of God like it's gum. It's got to get in us and we've got to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it and chew on it every day. This podcast is not enough bread of life for you. Your Sunday morning service is not enough bread of life for you. The bread of life, the Bible, the word is available to you today. We need to be reading the word of God, getting it in us, letting us, purifying us, reminding us who we are and who God is. Because in a moment's time, we forget in the treatment of one person, in the, in the wrong treatment of one person, we forget. By the end of this podcast and the next person that you have interaction with, you might forget who you are and who God is. The Bible reminds us. It's like a mirror. It shines in our face and shows us Jesus. It shows us grace. It's everything to us. It's everything. It's our hope when we're in despair. 
It's that word that that breathes life back into us when we feel like we can't go on. It's an anchor that shows us where we stand. It's direction showing us where we're going. It's a reminder of the goodness God has for us. And it's a reflection of the sin that we have that we want to work out. And it's a shining light into our very heart to show us our motives, to show us things that we cannot know because they're supernatural. The word of God comes alive when we chew on it, when we consider it, when we meditate on it, when we think about it, when we speak it, when we pray it, when we live it. The word of God is everything. It's everything. Without the word of God, we are projecting our own lives. We can become like the Pharisee in this account. We can become like this person thinking that we have it all together based on what we have done. But the Bible brings us back. It puts a reset button on us. It puts us all on the same level. It puts us all back to dependence on Jesus Christ. It makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to look now at Luke chapter 18, verses 9. This is another uh, parable. It's called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, any of us would say, I don't look down on people. I'm not confident of my own righteousness. Let this reveal to us if that is the case. Let this parable reveal to us if we have let righteousness or self-righteousness creep in in some area of our lives. It says this, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, a pastor or a teacher of law, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up. But he beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I found in my life, in my Christian journey, that when I have desired something so much, when I have wanted something more than anything else, when I have put a mark like, I want this, generally God doesn't give it to me. Generally, it's when I say, God, you are enough for me. Jesus, you are more than enough for me. I am satisfied in you, period. I am satisfied in you, Jesus, period. It's not, Jesus, I would be satisfied if you would just give me this or you would just allow this. It's when I strip that all away and I say, Jesus, I am satisfied in you, period. It's in those moments when I give up the thing that I want so bad. When I have spiritually in my heart, Stop desiring something over Jesus. It's amazing that he gives me that very thing. It's amazing that he gives me that very thing when I've already given it up. I think it's a spiritual principle to put Jesus first. He's more than enough. 
I want him more than I want any relationship. I want him more than I want any amount of money. I want him more than I want any position or job or respect from other people. I want Jesus, period. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. How do you seek the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of this world. So you need to be reading your Bible and 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 seeking God in prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God and not your own righteousness, but his righteousness. His righteousness recognizes who you are and who he is and that he is above you and that his ways are higher than yours and his thoughts are higher than yours. And he really is a supernatural, all-knowing, all-seeing, omniscient God. He really is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and we're not him. No matter how much we obtain, we're never even a drop in the bucket compared to him. Do we remember who he is? He's God. And he's not God in the sense of that, that flippant word that we say, oh my God, or oh God this. He's literally God. We have to remember that. We have, have to have a reverence of that. And we have to realize that no matter how great we get, we're not even close to him. Were you there when the sun was hung in the sky? Were you there when he told the ocean where to stop? Were you there when he formed animals and put grass in the ground? Were you there? No. He's so much bigger than us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, and then, you got to do that part first. And then all these things will be added unto you. But when we stand like the Pharisee in this, this second parable in Luke chapter 18, when we stand as that Pharisee and we say, at least I'm not so-and-so, we have forgotten the unity of the gospel. We have forgotten the, the even playing field. We have begun to put our own motives high above. We have begun to think that we are righteous. The Bible says there's no one righteous. No, not even one. You're not the exception in all of history, my friend. You are not the exception in all of history. There is none righteous. No, not even one. There's unity because of Jesus's death on the cross. And so for the tax collector to say, at least I am not so-and-so. A better prayer, a better analysis of the situation would say, I am just like the adulterer. I am just like the sinner. I am just like the tax collector. I am an evildoer. I am a robber because in my heart, I have thought things. In my head, I have thought things. In my heart, I have desired things that are not of God. And so God, today I confess my sin to you. Every day when we find ourselves in a, in a place of confession, when we find our ourselves in a place of confession, then we find the righteousness of God. Who do we think we are? Do we think that we're many gods? Do we think that we've attained just, uh, uh, we're just a little lower than Jesus Christ himself? No, I'm hidden in Jesus. I'm hidden in him. I'm not him. 
I will spend my life trying to live up to who he is. I will spend my life trying to transform myself through the power of the Holy Spirit to be what Jesus is. Like Paul says, we press on towards the mark. We run the race. Friend, today, take a look at your heart. Take a look at the word, what the word of God says and, and ask God to reveal to you. Because if I asked you yourself, you'd say, no, I, I don't feel self-righteous. I'm not self-righteous. That's not me. Ask the Holy Spirit to separate the intentions of your heart. How do you really look at people? Do you look at people as all your equals? Or do you look at some people as more beneficial to you than others? Even as I prayed in the beginning of this session together, Jesus doesn't have people he wants to spend more time with than others. He loves us all. That's our example. He loved the whole world so much that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. As a believer, as a Christ follower, we have a responsibility to love everyone as we love ourselves, because we're all unified by the gospel. The word of God resets us. It puts us back right to the beginning. It reminds us, and that's why we have to read it every day. We have to be reminded, and the more we read, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we realize we are just so much further away than we ever imagined, and yet he's closer than we ever imagined, and yet he's closer than we ever imagined him to be. We need to take a knee. We need to bow before God because he is God and we are not. And we need to love people as Jesus has loved us enough that he would lay down his life for us. Take a look at how you talk to people. Take a look at how you focus on people. Are you trying to rush through conversations because this person's not valuable to you? Are, do you brush people off because they're not as good as you? Reset your thinking today. Reset your righteousness to believe and to know that there's no one righteous, not even one. But in Jesus, we have righteousness, but it's hidden in him. It's not found in ourselves. It's not our good works. It's not our church attendance. There's nothing that we've done to gain what we have. It all comes back to Jesus. And the account we read today said, for whoever has been forgiven much forgives others that much. You have been forgiven much. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or for 10 minutes, you have been forgiven much. And now you can go and forgive others as much as Jesus has forgiven you. I want to remind you that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, angels or demons, there's nothing that separates you from the love of God. He loves you with an everlasting love, everlasting from age to age, day to day. His love is for you and not against you. His plans for you are good plans and not evil plans. He has a desire for you to have a good future and a hope. And in the end, he has a place that he's preparing for us in heaven where we'll live with him forever in perfect peace without the agony of, of pain and tears but constantly in the presence of Almighty God. Today, take time to read your Bible. Take time to chew on it like gum. 
Keep it in there. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your head. Keep it on your tongue. Keep it in your prayers. The word of God is active and useful. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are, that you are so good, that you are a loving God. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son in place of us. And God, I pray that we would seek you first, that we would humble ourselves before you and that you would lift us up. Help us not to lift ourselves up. God, keep us from that thought or or desire to be better than anyone else. God, I pray that we would would kneel before you, that we would bow before you, that we would recognize in our hearts and in our actions who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us the way to go and what to do through the word. God, I pray for each person listening that you would bless them and you would keep them. That God, they would serve you all the days of their lives. God, we need you more than ever. We need you, Jesus. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.